Did you know people listen to our podcast? How many? Well, I was at the Carthage meeting last week and people were talking to me about it. I thought it was just my in-laws. I thought we just talked to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I questioned it. Sometimes. We just put these things out there and like, ah, nobody listens, but we keep talking to each other and it's kind of fun. So we mm-hmm. keep doing it. My mother-in-law and then my husband's aunt are probably our biggest fans. Well, we so. got two. See? And what I thought was biggest... I only thought they were the biggest fans because I didn't know that many people listened. Yeah, but see, people are listening. It was lovely. It was there good are, to know. There are sick and warped people in the world, apparently, if they listen to this. We can just call it extension and move on. Move on. Love it. There Welcome we go. To the round barn. What are we taking up about today? We're going to talk about, we're not going to call it fake meat. We're going to call it lab grown and cultured meat. I like the word fake better. <laughs> you know, know me. Like, that's just. I'm like, we can't call it fake. But you all meat. missed on this because this is the podcast. So, the look she gave me, I got the death stare over the word fake meat. Like, be nice. Which I will use repeatedly now. The science and business behind it and not just your preference for eating real cow. Pork. Yeah. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I love real cow. I love real pork. I am an advocate of choice and an open market. I just don't like to be told what to do. So don't tell me I have to eat a certain kind of meat. I think that's a key point. Like I should interview you on this. Like you're probably more. That was actually the feedback that I got at the Carthage meeting was. Lo should shut up. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's de facto what they're saying. Lo should just shut up. He talks too much. The best part about this is the listener who told me that is right now laughing. And when he hears this, he will send me a text. Good. Well, if he listens again, I mean, maybe I've wrangled his father so much. So what? So you are a consumer. You would be the target consumer that would be the most prized in the grocery business. I am. Yeah. Yeah. You like. I'm a millennial female and a mom yes like that just like ticks every one of the grocery yeah, boxes right you're she's big, gonna come in and spend the money yeah you're a big consumer so what do you think about non-animal produced meat it, non-animal produced protein masquerading as meat because that's really what it is yeah all right i'm trying to remain the level yeah. about it for the sake of our conversation it is not a choice I am going to make for myself. It is not a choice that what I about your make for my family. I've gotten into some recent conversations lately. Um, one was at a wedding and I had a couple cocktails and I was like, this is probably not the time. Yeah, to talk bad about time this. for that conversation. <laughs> Could get a little too real. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with choice as long as it's made from a space of awareness with a with education behind it. And so if someone is wanting to make a decision based on what they eat, as long as it's coming from a place of facts instead of um, lies and biases from all of our friends at the PETAs and wherever else in the world, I'm okay with that. Like if that's just something that they decide to choose, please do not push that on me. That is not the choice for my family. But I also need to respect other people's opinions because I push mine on other people. So what about your friend, maybe former friend, if you had a couple of cocktails? Oh, no, it's a friend. Okay. Very so, good open discussions. Okay. So what did they see as the pros? Like, why were they pro lab cultured meat? We, I didn't even tee you up for this. It was all about climate. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. They, 
They said that their lab cultured meat and their choice to not eat animal protein was because of the environmental impacts. So not welfare. It was not a welfare discussion. It was all about it was all about global warming. Yes. So I find that interesting, right? It's different than the norm. Yes. This person is very educated. Um, And so while I think that it's just so hard to find good science on this in two areas that you can you are not an expert in both. Yeah, I would. So I find it interesting that they've pivoted because I would go with the marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. The marketing is pivoted that it's climate friendly. Yeah. Not welfare friendly. Right. But I think that's because the the animal rights groups and I don't put the animal They're welfare and rights are very different things. Right. I right. mean, animal rights are trying to claim, at least in my definition, that animals are co-equal to humans. Right. Should be treated the same. Right. So that's the philosophically, not philosophically. I mean, it's morally pigs, to me is pigs and humans to us as yeah yeah are, are not they're the trying same. to make that's them right equal. yeah and we we should provide absolute welfare for the animals that are underneath our care but they're underneath our care not equal to me right love the dog pete is not me yeah right pete's, pete's my dog guys. pete's kaylee's dog he's the best um so i think it's interesting that the animal rights groups pushed welfare and that didn't work so now we're pushing this climate change agenda yeah. really the same groups are running the same different story for the same arguments. Right. Yeah. And so this is always coming across all my social medias and all the news stories because the algorithms do what they're supposed to do. And I click on all of them just to find out what's happening in the rest of the world. And I sit on Illinois pork board and some marketing committees and things like that. So I try to stay in tune with what we're fighting against as competition, right. Yep. And as threats to the industry that I work in. So I see them all the time, but in the last couple of months, it has looked like there's been a decline from what I'm seeing in the consumption of these lab cultured meats specifically. And UC Davis came out with a publication that said, I pulled it up just so I don't get it wrong, but their summary was that. Well, this is a, this is a new level for this podcast facts. Well, it's a fact by UC Davis. So, well, I mean, no, I mean that it's accurate. We didn't just misquote something. This is okay. So, everybody should note this right now. This podcast, we have actually committed to not remembering what our faulty memories have. We're going to use saying, "Don't quote me on this." I'm actually saying, "We're going to use the website. We're going to read the primary source, new source. Okay, new level." Their summary says, "Cultured meat is not inherently better for the environment." As number bullet point number one and bullet point two is leaping from pharma to food product is a significant technological challenge. And so this study was all about lab-grown meat in the media that's used not being climate-friendly or, and it's expensive. And so a lot of the summaries of it were just talking about how this media needs to evolve in order for cultured meat to be economical and to be green, quote unquote green, whatever that means by your standard of definition, if that's greener than how a pig is raised or a cow is raised or like truly neutral, which I would, whatever, there's too many definitions of that. But I thought it was really interesting because it not only talked about the cultured 
food and lab-grown meat, but it also, by growing it in media, makes it a pharmaceutical product, which is, you asked earlier about my choice, and that's why I don't buy it for my family. I think I look at the back of those ingredients lists and go like, well, why don't I just give my kid a bag of Cheetos? It's almost equal. Right. So that's my choice, but it it was just interesting to think about it in terms of like right now, this lab cultured meat is a pharmaceutical product. It will always be a pharmaceutical product. So, I mean, we can grow cells, right? This isn't beyond the wit of man. We do it all the time for research purposes, right? And it's a research tool. Mm -hmm. But growing kind of these primary muscle cell cultures or things that aren't really just very, very simple cell structures. Right. So when we normally culture cells, they don't have any structure. We just grow these thin single layers of cells, you know, in a piece of plastic, literally in a, in a jar and a plastic flask. And they're very simple and we're using them for experimental purposes. Right. And so now you're saying, I want to grow a lot of these things and I want it to have some structure. And so can we do that? Absolutely. They've proven we can do that. But to do that, that's a way more complicated process mm-hmm. and it takes a lot more stuff and even growing the simple stuff, it's all chemicals. I mean, it's they're not toxic chemicals. Obviously, right. the cells live. But it's it's a artificial biological process. And so I'm sure that just the energy it takes to keep the cells alive is less than the energy it takes to raise a cow. But if we look at the whole supply chain to get that media there, yep. it's like electric cars. Yes, the car itself doesn't mean anything, but... If we think about the battery, what is all the stuff we had to do to make the battery? Right. And if we count all that in the supply chain, and it's maybe a different story. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, there, from my understanding, which is not the deepest, and I'm not a, I'm not a molecular biologist, but you look at what we're going to do with that stuff, and none of this surprises me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me, but it was very... I hadn't thought about it as a pharmaceutical product. Like it's lab grown, but I, I forgot that that means it's on a piece of media. Okay. It's not necessarily in like a little plate, like we think about in biology class, but it's the same process. Yeah. It's in a big steel flask. And that it fails. It can fail. Yes. There's an entire quality check of just that media before we get, I don't know, the whole thing just kind of reinvigorated it it confirmed the yeah, it, it's very artificial right yeah and so it's uh again i we should be pro-choice yeah i'm all about the choice now if you look at that whole space that was a venture capital darling for a bit mm-hmm. right and these yeah. companies beyond meats the most famous right and they're they're doing plant-based stuff but it's they were doing this you know huge investments in 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 Millions upon hundreds of millions of dollars invested in these companies and huge stock market valuations. And they've all just cratered. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this podcast a little before, right? So some of the quick service restaurants, McDonald's, Burger King, those people, right? They put, what's that? The Impossible Burger, which is a plant-based. It's a slightly different thing, but they put this meat alternative and this fits in the meat alternative bucket. They put those in the market and they flop. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think as you talk to people in that industry, and in I'm I'm paraphrasing here, so this is not This is where we're not facts. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. back to our back yeah. to the huge. Yeah, the huge. Um, but if you paraphrase what they're saying is right, like if people are gonna go eat at a quick service restaurant, they're gonna eat a hamburger 
if they want to eat. put the two burgers next to each other once the impossible They, they went into the quick service restaurant. Burger. They went to fast food. They didn't, they, they, you didn't right. go there. They didn't go to Whole Foods and select this. Yeah, right. See, I didn't raise it in my backyard and say, I'm going to take this organic thing out of my garden that I grew up. I mean, it's like a completely different choice. And so the McDonald's crowd has used this term flexitarian. Yep. And I think that's a really interesting bit, right? Like, I think these things will be there because people once in a while want to dabble in those things and eat that stuff. Yep. But every day, I mean, if you don't want to eat meat, you're just going to be a vegetarian. You're just going to eat. You're going to eat the plants. You're going to eat vegetable stuff. Right. You know, and we do that in the summer. I mean. Yeah. It's got the garden. Ah, okay. We're. We eat a lot less meat in the summer than we do in the winter because the garden's right outside the door and oh, we should eat these vegetables and we're eating 14 tomatoes a day trying to get the tomato plant down, right? Yeah, you eat bacon on all of those, but... Not always. <laughs> I would, I would, eat, there's a difference. See, I would eat bacon on all yeah. of them, but then my pants don't fit. <laughs> but even my family, like we go through, um, my husband read an article once about all the centenarians in the world have bean paste diets. Oh boy. I, I we actually like beans in our family a lot. So we'll make different pasta dishes and stuff and use that as an alternative to throwing hamburger in every once in a while just to mix it up. Yeah. Purely just for fun. And we'll go a few days and like, oh, man, I really, really would love a pork chop. <laughs> but, but if you think of it in a generation ago, you, you talk to my parents. Never, so, never would they just eat vegetables. Yeah. For no, dinner. No, all the time. Really? Because they had meat once or twice a week. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Because meat wasn't, people ate meat, but we didn't consume nearly as much meat. In the, you go to the yeah, 30s yeah. and 40s, you ate beans a lot. Because that, they grew them. Yeah, because you had them and they were cheap and people raised their own food. And, right. and so this idea that we have a big giant chunk of meat in the center of the plate every night is a quite recent. It's out of privilege. It's out of, yeah, it's out of wealth. It's yeah. just flat out wealth. Right? Society is wealthy enough. We have meat with every meal. Yep. And so they had other protein sources. This idea of being a flexitarian and part of the time we're not going to eat meat just because it costs too much or it's just because yeah. eh, I don't need it is, it's great. Like I, we eat, this is a silly, this is a silly thing. I eat in the summer, tomato on toast. Mm -hmm. So I take, don't, no BLT. That's a half of a BLT. Okay. Yeah, and I actually don't eat BLTs. You don't I eat, eat lettuce. On yeah, I just eat BBTs. It's <laughs> you take a layer of bacon, a tomato, and then another layer of bacon. You replace the lettuce with the bacon, and then it's much better. Yeah. But you have a half of the bacon's right because ah, it's summer and you're hot yep. and you don't want a lot of food and you slop a little. You make a BLT without the bacon and out the lettuce. And there's mm -hmm. no bacon. And so you're like, hey, that's a fine meal. And you eat yeah. that, but I think that is a more normal spot than saying ah, we're gonna go eat. We're going to go have some steak every day or we're going to have a fake steak. Right. If I'm going to splurge and have a steak, why wouldn't I just eat a steak? For your choice. Yep. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Because everybody agrees a steak or a pork chop, particularly steak. That's a splurge meal. You don't. Yeah. You don't do steaks seven nights a week. Right. Would I love to eat steaks? Sure. But I don't. But why? Why? Right. And then it's also not as good if that's what you eat every day, right? right. Part of the fun of eating a big steak is it's a luxury. It's yeah. a luxury item, right? And so I look at the whole culture meat thing and go, really? If I'm going to splurge and have a steak, I'll just eat a steak. Right. And if I'm going to have fake meat, why don't I just eat beans? Yeah. 
Okay, so we're diving back into the preference, which you and I are on the same page. Yeah. So we're just going to agree with each other. Another thing about this that I just couldn't get over, and I wish I would have had more time to continue researching, was that they said even that it may not lead to environmentally friendly commodity meat alternative, it could lead to lower cost pharmaceuticals because of the change in the media. And I thought, well, that would be really cool if that came out of this meat alternative trend in this effort to take pharma to food actually just changed some of the way that we biologically create pharmaceuticals using some of these medias. Yeah. Cause if you look at all the new pharma products, so these monoclonal antibodies and the, the things they're doing for cancer today, they're biopharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. right? That's the hot. Yep. And so instead of just, you know, historically pharmaceuticals, just chemistry, right? Like there was just, I put chemicals together and made a new chemical. It was organic chemistry or just, just, inorganic chemistry. And now they're like, no, 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 it's biopharmaceuticals. And so we're designing proteins. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a try and thought about that's a really interesting idea, right? That if we improve the mass manufacturing of protein, which is basically what they're doing. Does that lead to the easiest thing to chip away at is the media. Yeah. That's the, again, I don't know anything about, I mean, I'm not a cell culture guy, but it's all the media, Right. Right. And so in the conditions around that, but if you can optimize protein production, which is what antibodies are proteins and, and all of these biopharmaceuticals are just protein products. If I can optimize protein production in media, maybe I drop the cost of some of these cancer drugs astronomically. There's our positive spin on, don't say fake meat, cell cultured meat. Yeah, it's a. Let's fix that health industry. <laughs> well, and sometimes, right? Like, just think about it, though. Like many of the things that, why do we go to the moon? Well, it was cool. But if you look at all the inventions that came out of going to the moon, right? Yeah. It's all the knock-on effects. And often that's a thing with science, right? We go down a path and what are they doing this for? But then mm-hmm. somebody realizes that that solution is much better over here. And they pick it up and they use it over here. Right. Yeah. They're looking for ice on the moon right now. It's a little water. You want a cold drink, you got to have ice. <laughs> have you heard that though? They think they found yeah, ice. I know, which oh, is pretty cool. I think that's cool. Maybe that's old news, but I just listened to it on podcast the other day. Uh, the Russians tried to land a... Right. That didn't work either. But the Indians did, and they're looking for ice. Yes. So. There you go. It, yeah. There's reasons to reinvent the same thing looking for something else. It's, that's right. Yes. And, and I think that's the positive that... Yeah, there is, there is likely will be positive to come out of this, but from a putting my business guy hat on, it doesn't look like it's a very good business model. Right. And I'm going to keep eating what I've been eating as long as that choice is available to me. So I'm going to keep fighting for that choice, but I'm also going to fight for the choice. That's what's important. A good market to have. Yes. All right. What are you going to have for dinner? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. Me neither. And it's... Two o'clock on a Friday, so soon enough we should probably. Yeah, that think about out. we should have dinner. Yeah, we yeah. should eat at some point. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell your friends about the Round Barn Podcast, available on any of the podcatchers of your choice. In addition to this podcast, we offer a wide range of learning opportunities, including a Master of Veterinary Science degree. We're accepting applications for the spring 2024 semester. To learn more about this program, please visit vetmed.illinois.edu slash MVS. Thanks for listening.